Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com for any of your air conditioning and heating needs. No heat right now. All air conditioned. Everybody needs uh, that house to get cool. If you're having any issues with that, you need to contact our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Want to know more about them? Give them a buzz at 865-299-2290 or check them out at their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Visit them on Twitter at Blue h2o underscore climate bottom line other companies try to fix things blue water climate control is going to fix it the right way the first time they're not going to oversell you on something you don't need they're not going to undersell you on something they're going to get it right the first time for you so that you have the cool comfort you need in your home during these uh, hot summer months that we've been dealing with and, and hot temperatures that we're all enjoying at this point in time. All right, it's Thursday, mailbag time, and we'll jump right into the questions with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. So, guys, let's get going here. Um, who would be the first choice to switch from wide receiver to cornerback on this team? It would have been Kenny Solomon, but uh... – you know, I just don't know if there is one. Brent. I'm the same way. I'm sitting here thinking about it. I, I don't know that there's a guy that you would – I could see, you know, I mean, we know Elante Taylor played receiver. He's not going to move now. But I, in terms of going the other direction, I don't I don't know of anybody on this roster that would be moving from, uh, from, from wide receiver to corner. I think that's why Tennessee has been so active in the transfer portal, trying to increase their depth at the cornerback position because there is no other options on the roster. Well, correct. And, I mean, like, you know, I mean – the, the, you know, when, you know, Prunty and, and Turnage came on the market, you know, they reached out to both. And, you know, once Prunty, Prunty uh, picks up Carolina, Tennessee's continue to swing away at Brandon Turnage. And we'll see if they can get that one uh, done or if he, if he wants to come here again. He's wanted a guaranteed starting spot. At some point, though, Brent, you got to come off those demands a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to end up playing nowhere. So we'll see if, if he kind of changes his viewpoint. Uh, the one guy I could potentially, Potentially think, but he had too good of a spring as Jimmy Callaway. Like, I think Jimmy Callaway could potentially play corner, but like, I, I, I just think he had too good of a spring that they're not going to, they're not going to move him. I, I just don't see them moving anybody. Yep. I agree with you 100%. Because I mean, you got to think, like, a guy like um, uh, Danico Slaughter played nickel last year and played some safety. This staff's using him more as a corner. So, like, I mean, like, you know, you, I think a lot of people forget a body like Danico Slaughter could play some corner. Yeah. I mean, again, I just don't think to answer his question, I don't think any, I don't see anybody going from the offensive side at the receiver spot to, to defensive back or, or the corner in particular. All right. To a uh, bass master ball. I wants to know, has Tennessee prepared their football players and their athletes for the name image likeness as Tennessee prepared as prepared as other sec schools. You know, Rob, I mean, we've talked a lot about name, image, likeness. There's some more questions in the podcast about this. I, I think all schools have educated. We, we've seen on social media today, uh, on Thursday, uh, or on Wednesday, excuse me, that um, Tennessee's had continuing education. They, they'll have more of that. They had a big meeting on Wednesday morning to try to prepare kids. I, I mean, I think everybody's sort of as prepared as they can be, but it's basically trying to prepare for just a huge – a huge, you know, a huge unknown because nobody knows exactly how all this thing is going to work out. I, I think there's a lot of numbers floating around out there that probably aren't realistic on what guys could have made previously and, and how all of this works. I, I don't know. I just think guys have been educated to be cautious about what kind of deal they jump into. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I mean, I think you said it best. Over. Nobody knows. I mean, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's not ignored it. I know from talking to people there that they have people talking to the student athletes and, you know, there have been, you know, they've tried to educate them, but educate them about something that's just never been seen before. I mean, how much can you educate somebody on something that the people doing the education haven't, haven't experienced themselves? I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's been talked about. Tennessee's not ignored it. But at the same time, it's just it's it's a it's a brand new world. Well, well Brent, it's something that you and I've met with people about, and 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 to a man, everybody kind of agrees that this thing's going to continually change by the day, like things that you know maybe some people haven't thought of, others have, and you'll see you know different layers when once this thing gets pulled peeled back a little bit. Um, so you know, I, I think you know Tennessee and, and all schools are trying to give as much education about some of this stuff to their players as they can about, you know, if, if you, if you sign a contract on something, you know, you, you've got to, you, you know, you're a big boy, you got to fulfill it. You can't get emotional and decide, well, I'm not doing it this week because we lost. Like, you know, you, you want to be paid like a professional, then you've got to, you know, handle yourself like a professional, little stuff like that, that I think, you know, these kids haven't thought about, they've just thought about dollar signs. Well, and I think the other reality, too, that's out there, and, and this is not to say there's not money available out there. I, I'm not going to imply that in, in any way, shape, or world, form, because I think they are. In terms of the national type stuff, I don't know how much of that's going to be out there. It's going to be more local. I think early on, it's going to be more local stuff, which is, you know, for some players, is going to be disappointing because the money's not going to be as high as people think that it's going to be. So then as a student athlete, Rob, you have to determine – What's your time worth? What, what, what's, what's important and what's, what's not important to you? I mean, is yeah. it, you know, get, getting paid, you know, $500 or $300 or $1,000 to do an autograph session, okay, versus getting, you know, getting paid a certain amount of money per month, but you have to do something weekly to earn that money. Those are all things that I think student athletes have to take into account before they go diving down into any of these roads. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't. On a national scale, I, I think that's going to be very rare. And I've, I've said this before, so I'll repeat myself. The only guys I can think of in the last four or five years who might have, you know, had enough, enough of a high enough of a Q rating to, you know, represent a national brand would be something like Trevor Lawrence, Zion Williamson certainly could could have done it. I don't mean maybe Justin Fields, maybe maybe Tua, but I mean Trevor Lawrence and and. Zion are the two. Is there anybody out there in, in college football like that right now? No. Or, or college athletics, period. It's going to be rare in basketball because those guys are here and gone. But, man, I think you can – in football, I, I think you'll see it every once in a while. Yeah, and I think – I mean, I think that's the other thing is, you know, are you going to – are you committing to something with a guy for one year or for, for six months? I mean, you know, it, you know I, I think those are all kinds of things – and again, I think that's why so much of the meetings with players like what Tennessee had on Wednesday was an education thing. There'll be some other meetings that'll be set up where they can get to know some people and um, introduce themselves to some people. But, you know, it's pretty clear what the student athletes thinking right now. When you look at everything that's on social media, Austin, hey, my DMs are open. Hit me up for, you know, whatever you want. I mean, it, these guys are politic and soliciting hard for it. Um, how much of a response are they going to get um, is is unknown at this point. And I think it's going to be unknown for a while because a lot of companies are trying to decide, 
do I want to jump in from day one or do I want to wait and see how this thing shakes out for a while before I jump into the middle of it? Well, I think it's going to be a lot like the transfer portal. You know, I think a lot of these kids got in, they get in the transfer portal thinking that there's these greener pastures and, and everything's going to be, you know, peachy and all that. And then they, you know, a lot of these kids are finding out they don't have homes now. All these kids stuck in the portal, um, you know, that, you know, I think you're going to, you know, unless you're, you, you have a brand, a personality, a following, you know, I think you're going to be in for a rude awakening that, you know, you know, Hey, you're just not going to get, you know, the interest that you think you are, you know? And so like, yeah, I mean, you've seen like literally everybody from your top player to your walk-on brand posting about the DMs are open. So we've now moved from respect my decision, no interviews to please hit me up, please hit me up, please hit me up. And, you know, literally, you know, the turn of the strike of midnight. Yep. And um, how many people get hit up remains to be seen. All right, let's move on here to the next one. Are there any talks of Vanderbilt's baseball scholarship advantage being changed? I can't think of another sport where one team and only one to my knowledge has such a massive advantage. Um, no, everybody's known about the Vanderbilt situation for a while. There's been no change. There's been no adjustment there. That's something within their university that they do. That's not in a violation with the SEC or the NCAA. They've got a win. They've got a loophole and a window to make that work and they use it to their advantage. And, uh, I don't think that the NCAA can call in Vanderbilt and tell them they have to do, uh, their academic side of things differently. So that's, that's why that's never been changed. I don't see it changing. Any preseason restrictions for the basketball team this year? Seems like teams that relied on game-changing freshmen really felt a blow regarding lack of freshman development, bonding, et cetera. Rob, there's not anything restriction-wise going on with this team with, with Tennessee right now, right? Everything's wide open for them. Yeah, it's wide open. I mean, I mean, they, Rick are, can get back to having meals and everything that he likes to do, right? They hang. I mean, they practice and then or have workouts, and then guys will spend hours hanging out. In, in the in the players' lounge outside the locker room, which is just a a plush plush situation with um, multiple big screen. I mean, I, maybe ten big screen TVs, bunch of Xboxes, and you know, some stand up video games. Um, yeah, I mean, the, no restrictions. It's it's back to normal. It's like going to Austin's basement or Dave and Buster's, one or the other, right? When you hang out with the Tennessee basketball team. Um, yeah. Any uh, on, onward we go. Other than the defensive tackle from Kansas, who are the few guys that have really had a good summer? Also, if I may add, how are the new linebackers looking? Thanks. Keep up the great work, guys. All right, AP. Let's talk about some defensive guys, uh, or just some guys in general who you like. I mean, Rob mentioned. Um, we mentioned this a couple of times. R.J. Perry physically looks vastly different. That doesn't mean he can play, but you talk about a guy who's physically changed his body and where he's at. That that guy is, is as different as anybody from from a year ago. Um, everybody talks about Joe Milton's size. We've talked about that a lot. Anybody else striking the striking the AP? Uh, defensively, you know, I, I, yeah, I like, I've seen Caleb Tremblay. I mean, he looks solid, but isn't like I mean Terry looks way better. Um, you know, a, a guy like Warren Burrell has put on, I think, more muscle. I, I kind of like him going into the fall, Brand. He's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, Tamario McDonald looks like he's in much better shape than a year ago. Remember, he he got injured early on last year and then miraculously found his way into playing time when 
he had missed so much time there early on after having some offseason surgery late in the game. So, you know, I think he could really kind of bust onto the scene with a really good fall camp and, and uh, you know, become a real factor at safety. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, you just see, like, you know, Holiday and Callaway are just bigger. You know, uh, Jim, uh, Jalen Hyatt looks about the same. I mean, he doesn't – I mean, I think that's just going to be who he is. I mean, that's his body type. You know, he's going to be a, a, a skinny guy that can just run. Um, you know, Jabari Small looks about the same. Doesn't look like he's put on much weight. Um, Tyon Evans looks really, really thick. Uh, I, I kind of look like forward to seeing yeah, I kind of look forward to seeing Cayman Marley. What's Cayman Marley look like when we get to August? I don't expect him to play this fall, obviously, but just, I mean, like, he's got the frame that, you know, whether no matter where he plays, offense, defense, whatever, he, he has a, a power five top body. Yeah, I'm as intrigued to see Evans as I am anybody. You know, how does he fit? Because you don't really see him in the spring. No, you didn't see him. And, and so I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see uh what what evans looks like all right rob we're gonna we're gonna bow out of this question that hall of fame has we're throwing this to austin austin we're gonna answer this one and move on quickly favorite disney movie go man i don't know uh come um, on siskel and ebert i don't think these heads about to explode i, I mean get, get, talk to me give me one or two and then we're moving on well for me it would be the lion king you know i just that's your one. You know, that, that's your jam. Okay. If, if, if it's good enough for if it's if it's good enough for JG, it's, it's good, good enough, enough for you. There you go. All right. Um, can you get an update on basketball? How basketball players are doing? Specifically, can Powell shoot? Rob Lewis. Yes, Justin <laughs> Powell can shoot. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I I would say arguably he's probably the best shooter on the team. Although if if, if it's a day when Victor Bailey is on, uh, he can get hotter than anybody. But he's streaky. And then I would put Santiago in that group as well. But yeah, Powell can shoot. My biggest surprise among the freshmen, I expected Kennedy Chandler to be fantastic, and, and I think he will be. Uh, Huntley Hatfield is a lot bigger than I thought he was. I don't mean taller. I mean stronger, thicker in his upper body. He is, he is a really powerful kid that is not going to get pushed around. I, Adu, on the other hand, I mean, he moves great, runs the floor great for a seven-footer, but he's – he, he he looks a lot like a young skinny Kyle Alexander. I mean, he's way better than Kyle, skill wise, but um, physically he looks a lot like Kyle. He he could he could definitely stand to eat a lot of peanut butter, a lot of protein, a lot of late night protein. Um, back to football. Uh, are you seeing any confident swagger from players around the com complex? Like we might surprise a few teams or even ourselves. You know, I, I mean, I think every kid who plays the game is confident in the off season. I mean, I think every I think every guy believes that they're going to be better than what any outside pundit thinks. Um, that's why you hear everybody say they've worked harder than they've ever worked before. Nobody's outworking them. I, I do think this team uh, has some confidence, but Austin, for that confidence to develop, they got to have some good things happen to them early in the season for for that confidence to get real. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this team believes in themselves. I think they probably believe they're going to be better than. Um, everybody else thinks they're going to be, but I don't think it matters in, unless they get some tangible things going on the field to give them a shot at some real confidence heading into the meat of the season. That's my stance. That's my belief. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Pittsburgh game's huge and quarterback play early. I mean, you think about it. If they go out there, they beat Pittsburgh, and they're sitting there at 3-0 and heading to Florida. I'm not suggesting they beat Florida, okay? Let me, let me stop everybody right there. But what I'm saying, though, is 
is if you've had good quarterback play and you're 3-0, and how does that kind of give you a shot of confidence going into SEC play? Like, I think that that drastically changes a lot of things for Tennessee because even if you don't beat Florida, you go to Missouri and you win that one, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we can work with the rest of the schedule and, and potentially, you know, we get ourselves bowl eligible, even though we all think we all know they're probably not going to go to a bowl. You know, if you go and win, you know, six, seven, eight games, whatever, in year one with a depleted roster and, you know, with all the, you know, the, the investigation stuff hanging over your head, man, that's a real sales pitch for Josh Heifel and company. So, like, you're right. Those first few games, especially that Pittsburgh game with the quarterback play, massive. All right. They say recruiting is all about relationships. Following recruiting, doing your job well is all about what blank? I relationships. Think I think we'd all acknowledge relationships. If you don't have relationships with kids uh, and, and people who are involved in the decision-making process, you don't cover recruiting very well. You just don't have an idea of, of kind of where things are. And I mean, it's all about relationships and communicating with guys. Um, on to iHeartVols. Um, are we still a blue blood in football? Who is our competition in basketball? Uh, rank these programs as to which have the easier path to being back. All right, here we go. Uh, the easier path to being back. Tennessee, Florida State, Miami, Nebraska, USC, Michigan, Auburn. I was, was going to say Indiana, I think, is a good comparison, like a basketball school that, that has great tradition, has been a championship caliber program, and has not made any noise in you know, 25 years. Yeah, I would agree with that. Austin, would you consider Tennessee a blue blood in football? Yeah, they're still blue blood. I, you know, oh, come on, AT. No, they are. I mean, they're still a blue blood program. They're, I think most national people would still consider Tennessee a blue blood program. They're just um, – they, they just have a – they're just covered in rust right now. Like you, you've got to find a way to, you know, to get the rust off the program. And so um, as far as where would I rank them, I would still, I would rank Tennessee at the dead bottom of that list because they have to play Alabama every year. And I know the old traditionalists say, well, I want to keep that game. I, I understand that. But when you factor that in and the, the schedule Tennessee has to play and those some years they have to play, you know, LSU and Alabama or Auburn and Alabama or, Texas A&M and Alabama. I, I just feel like that that road to getting back is really, really hard. I think the easiest one to cover is USC. What do you think? Just because of the Pac-12 is you know, not great and the talent pool around there is tremendous. Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 in some ways might even actually work against them a little bit just because the, the reputation of that conference probably – some some kids are some kids are not hanging around California as much anymore because you know back in the day that you know a lot of kids were leaving California because USC and UCLA were down um, so maybe the Pac-12 hurts them in, in that regard but I mean look the Pac-12 should be about USC and Oregon maybe Washington is kind of where the Pac-12 should be USB USC should never be bad um, the the big the Big Ten is harder but I don't think Michigan should ever be down. Um, because you have a you have a huge alumni base there, you have unbelievable fan support. You should be the best program in the state, and and with Detroit and other areas in the state, I think that you ought to be able to recruit. I think Michigan's biggest issue, um, one of their biggest issues, I, I think they've gotten away from recruiting their home state. 
in that area up there. I, I think they get caught too much in trying to come south and and trying to get guys go you know go up there. I, you can't tell me there are not more players in Detroit and and some other cities in Michigan that could end up being at Michigan as opposed to them trying to go to Florida, you know, or Georgia and recruit a bunch of players from there. Uh, I think Florida State should be should be an easier rebuild than Miami. I think Florida State should be an easier rebuild than Nebraska. Um, and I think Auburn um, is, is easier than Tennessee because they've won more recently. But I think Auburn can be a tough job if you're in a major rebuild there because of what Austin's saying, the schedule they have to play uh, every, every year. All right. To call- I mean, I was just going to say, I was going to say, Tennessee has certain things that are that, that make it easier than Nebraska, Florida State, or or Miami. Um, but they also the, the the biggest detriment they have is just the schedule. So like, yeah, playing the league helps get you noticed and gets can help you with getting players because people want to play in the SEC. But you know when you when you face that murderer's row schedule that Tennessee's faced every year for the last ten or twelve years being down, it's just hard to claw your way out. I mean, look at Butch and them. They have that unbelievable 5-0 start with the big momentum went over Florida, the big Hail Mary against Georgia, and then what do they do after that? They turn around and have to go to A&M, play Alabama, then they get the week off and then they lay the egg against South Carolina. But, I mean, you had – after you started 5-0, you had A&M and Alabama. Florida State's not having that. Yeah, just, just remember, AP, coming out of that open date, that's when the schedule really got hard for Tennessee. Uh, I, I, I understand. I get it. But my point is, like, I know I get it. Florida State, they don't have any I – mean, I know. If they, but if they make it through a murderer's row, they don't – they're done. I'm being facetious there because that's what Butch said at the press conference was that the season got really harder um, after they finished playing Alabama and they had to finish with Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, uh, which obviously they didn't get done. Uh, what's the deal with the investigation? It's beginning to feel like it's dragging out simply to avoid um, Jeremy Pruitt's buyout. Surely the administration knows that it's hurting recruiting. Um, I don't know. Um, I just think – I'm not saying it's going to get resolved, but I think I think at some point in the month of August there's going to be some kind of movement, whether they say it's over, whether they're announcing some kind of proposed self-imposed penalties or something. I just – I think something by the time you get to kickoff, there's going to be some type of verbal discussion of movement moving forward with that investigation. I don't know. I don't know that for any fact. That's just my guess. I, I think that, um, you know, nine and a half months, 10 months into an investigation, at that point, surely you're through talking to everybody that you need to talk to. But we'll see. I thought they would be done talking with everybody um, long before that. Um, Have they talked to you yet? No, they haven't talked to me. Uh, they don't need to talk to me. I got nothing. I got nothing for them. Now, there's no reason for my name to surface in anything that they've been discussing. Uh, all right, here we've got. Uh, no, but my point was they hadn't. They've talked to everybody else. Yeah, they have talked to everybody else, but they have not talked to me, and uh, I don't anticipate that. You're right. They have talked to everybody, and including probably some janitors that work in the building at, at some point. I'm going to combine these two questions here. Chances that Tennessee lands two of the three, uh, Pope. Horton Miller, and what are the chances that those three will be off the board by August? Austin Price. Oh, man, I, I think the the chances of landing at least two of the three is uh, Hubs fifty gift. Um, 
And the chances that – is it two of the three are off the board or any of them are off the board? Do you think the three are off the board by August? I don't think all uh, three will be off the board by August. No. I think one for sure will be off the board by August. And then the other two, I think shortly after August begins, one probably comes off the board and then a second one. You know, I think – ironically, I think Pope may go longer than any of them. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, he, he, I think I, I think Auburn's kind of gotten in play there. They want him to come down for a visit in the fall. He may last longer than any of them. Yep, he, based on my conversation with him, I, I think that that's certainly possible. I mean, he did not sound like a guy getting ready to make a decision when, when I spoke to him over the weekend. Um, all right, uh, I understand your sources in the program are putting a positive spin on what UT thinks the NCAA will do regarding self-imposed sanctions based on your understanding of the violations and how the NCAA enforcement division works, are you as optimistic as Tennessee? If so, why? I don't know that Tennessee's putting this big positive spin out there. I think, I think we've all, Rob, put in, kind of been in the same boat. They're going to, Tennessee's going to self-impose some scholarship reduction, self, you know, maybe self-impose a, a, a one-year bowl ban type deal and hope that it goes from there. I, I don't know that that's, I, that's not the spin from Tennessee. Tennessee's spin has been, we've worked hand in hand with the NCAA, so they should expedite this quickly and should be somewhat kind to us because they've been so cooperative. That, that's the notion coming out of the Tennessee camp that I get. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, I mean, I, I do think that they're, they're trying to be thorough, the administration, but I also think that maybe part of the reason you're running up what is it, half a million dollar legal tab north of that by now? North of that. And you can show the NCAA that receipt and say that, you know, this is how serious we are about getting it, getting this thing cleaned up and, and get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. We'll see, you know, when it gets done. But I, I don't, I think that's the notion coming out of Tennessee is that because we're so willing to help, you should be more cooperative and helpful to us in terms yeah. of exhibiting this. Even if you spend a million dollars on lawyers, that's a lot cheaper than 13 and change. Yes, it is. That's true. Um, all right. How good of a job recruiting is the basketball staff doing compared to other SEC coaches? Where, where do you put Tennessee against, say, Alabama, and I, and, Kentucky, what they're doing and, out and, there? Unless, unless they're bumping heads with, with another program, I really don't keep up with it, you know, what, with what Arkansas is doing or, you know, Al, I know I, I know Alabama is doing – has really stepped things up. Um, in, in the past couple of years, they're getting big, big name guys on campus. Kentucky always is going to get big name guys on campus. Um, but I would say I'll put Tennessee right there with Kentucky. And, you know, from, from what I know, I'll put Alabama in a little bit behind them in, in the next tier. And then probably Arkansas, Florida, and then kind of once you get past that, just it's a hodgepodge. Uh, and you can LSU also probably in that second or third tier as well, but, we all know the story there. All right, AP, uh, is, uh, are we on commitment watch this week? And who are, are the DB targets for this class? Yeah, we're on commitment watch uh, this week. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, probably the next couple of days. Um, as far as DBs, I mean, with Kamari Rogers off the board, that that's got to, you know, you know, they were really hoping to get him up here that last weekend. Then he committed to Miami and not a surprise because he'd been to Miami like three times in like, you know, the month of June. Um, so obviously they had a lot of the, the traction with him. 
you know, Tennessee, you know, is, is looking at a couple of DBs from the state of Georgia. Uh, the kid's name for stakes me, uh, Andre committed to Kentucky. Um, you know, there's a couple of kids in, up in the Midwest that they've kind of started to look at a little bit. And then, uh, you know, uh, that I think they can continue to look, you know, in the transfer route past this year, uh, for DBs, because I think they kind of like that position for DB, somebody that's got some experience. Um, it's what I was told, you know. So I, I would look for Tennessee to, you know, look that route, you know, after, you know, after this season's up again to see if they can, you know, continue to add experience at that position. Just because, you know, when you have a, a you know, bring in a freshman corner, those those guys haven't played at this level, so it's a little bit different. Whereas if you have bring in a guy that's played at the power five level or, or college football level. It's just a little bit different. All right. Uh, quickly here, bouncing through a few more. Do you see Neyland stadium dropping out of the top 10 in the country for stadium capacity? Once renovations are complete. Also, are there plans for renovation to the outside and in the near future? She needs some brick and new paint in the worst way. Yeah. I mean, when you start talking about doing the South end zone, that's not just going to be the concourses. When you do the concourses, that's also going to be, the, the outside facade there. I, I don't know the top 10 numbers. Um, I, I don't know how far I, Rob, I don't know what the loss of capacity would have to be to get Tennessee out of the top 10 to answer yeah, that I'll, question. And they're going to reduce capacity though. That's a given. Well, I would also say other, other programs are going to reduce capacity in this new day and age that, that we're living in. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of skeptical that they'll drop out because I think you're going to see a lot of stadiums around the country kind of go the same route. Neyland is to make it a more fan-friendly experience. Um, AP, where is Marcel Reed on Tennessee's quarterback board? He's up there. Uh, would not consider him, you know, number one, but I also consider him not number one. Like, I, you know, they, they got the kid they like from the state of Michigan. Um, you know, Marcel Reed is obviously on Tennessee's list a good bit. You know, and then there's Chris Parsons, you know, another kid from Nashville that, that transferred from Texas that, you know, visited here right here before the end of the dead period. So, you know, again, I, he's, he's, he's right up there at the top. I would not label him number one, but also wouldn't label him not number one. I think those guys are all kind of right around the same. I think Tennessee's recruiting all pretty, uh, you know, evenly. Yeah, I don't think Tennessee's identified as a identified a clear cut number one at this point. I, I don't think there is a number one on their board. I, I'm with you. I think they have a collection of guys that they like, that they're recruiting, that they want to continue to recruit, continue to evaluate. But I don't know that they've set and said, okay, this is our guy. We are all in for this one guy, and that's where we're going at this point. Maybe that becomes Reed. Maybe that becomes Chris Parsons. Maybe that's somebody else, the kid from Michigan or whatever. But I don't know that there's been an identifying moment that says this is the number one guy we're going to recruit at the quarterback position. Um, and just to, for, for casual followers of recruiting who might be listening, those are 2023 kids. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's talking about 2023 quarterbacks. They've obviously got their quarterback for 2022. That's worth noting and clarifying to make sure everybody understands you know, what class that you're talking about there. Uh, Tennessee basketball has had the fourth most NCAA tournament appearances to never make the final four. If you could summarize why that is in one sentence, what would it be? Scotty Hobson make a free throw against Michigan State. What can uh, Tennessee do as a program to get over the hump and become a final four team? Rob, in a sentence, why has Tennessee never been to the final four? Uh, better players. There's no 
mean, there's no common thread. I mean, you're talking about multiple coaches over multiple decades. I mean, how many, how many top 10 picks has Tennessee had over that time in the NBA draft? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Zero. Yeah, except for Bernard and, and Ernie. Yeah. You know, so, and, and again, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. Part of, I mean, it is just, the, the NCAA tournament is just a, it's just kind of a freak. It, it's a freak thing. I mean, it's getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, that's what tournament sports are about. And, um, well, you're Mississippi State in baseball. Yeah. It's, that's, that's where I was going to go. I mean, nobody had them winning the, the college world series. Um, and here, you know, here they are. I mean, that's a team that tanked and was terrible in the SEC tournament. Now, maybe that was intentional. I don't believe that they went out there intentionally trying to lose, but you know, there's a team that didn't do anything and you kind of wondered about them. Uh, looked like they were in trouble in their super regional at home. They find a way to, to come back and win there. Um, and then you get hot at the right time. And then you have other crazy things that happen. I mean, you look at um, for Tennessee, Rob, the Kyle Alexander injury, you know, mm-hmm. if, if he's playing, what, what does that mean for that bracket? The way that bracket opened up for Tennessee, you know, you just never know. Who's the little kid from Purdue? The crazy four-point, you know, the foul yeah. of the three-point shot by Lamonte Turner in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I mean, it's that. That's, I mean, that's the NCAA tournament. A lot of it is is crazy and and doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Our, our, we're, we're, the guy mentioned Scotty Hobson missing a free throw. Yep, that's right. Well, blowing and I mean, you know, what's the year where they have the huge lead against North Carolina in the second half? You know, Jerry. When, when Jerry was coached there and they didn't get they that had a huge. Done. Huge lead against Ohio State in San Antonio and blew that. Yep, uh, absolutely. Um, all right, uh, how do you think the name image likeness will affect the portal? Would a guy like Henry T. be at Alabama if he had a lucrative deal in Knoxville uh, w- with a company somewhere? Austin, do you think the portal will de- – or, or, the, or the name image likeness will defer, deter some portal things? Or is that just one of those in the category of we got to wait and see how it all plays out? We got to see how it all plays out. I don't think you're going to know, you know, just some of these things. I think it's going to take some time to kind of see like the impact. At least that's how I feel. What if a kid had like a multi-year contract with with a company? Could he, you know, could he legally leave? Or could they? How would that factor into things? Oh, and I mean, you know, Austin, we've talked about this too, or Rob, Austin and I have talked about this. What, what if, what if somebody front loads something, you know, and says, oh, yeah. Hey, we're going to give you money up front for this marketing deal. Okay. We're going to give you this up front. Then we're going to, whatever that dollar figure is. And then we're going to take that dollar figure, but you're obligated to that until that dollar figure is, is fulfilled to us. And that's probably not going to be a one-year thing. That's probably going to be a multi-year thing. So if you get into those types of contract deals, yeah, that's possible. Are there going to be those kinds of contract deals? I mean, you got some people out there saying, um, you know, kids are going to be making multiple millions of dollars to play college sports. I don't know if that's going to be an accurate number or not an accurate number. I don't think it's going to be in year one. You know, we'll see what it becomes on down the road. But I don't think anybody's signing a seven-figure deal tomorrow. And if, with anybody. If it is, I mean, it'll be, it'll be an ultra, ultra small percentage yeah. of players. And so, you know, what does that money realistically look like is, you know, what's the cost point, the price point for all this stuff. I mean, there's tomorrow's going to be the start of a wild day or today is going to be the start of a wild day. Um, you know, with some things getting announced and then we'll see 
over the course of the next month, what else gets done, um, what kind of national deals, if any, are done, and, and, and who's got, you know, some realistic local things going on. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, how that shakes out over the course of the next few weeks, and that's going to be a hot topic for sure. Plenty of recruiting, plenty of recruiting to keep your eye on the next few days. Um, and, and here at VolQuest, we'll have it all covered for you. Plenty of other stuff going on, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com mailbag podcast for Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.